Thank you, Father, for your great, great mercy that you have lavished upon us, namely through your Son. And as we turn now to your Word, oh God, that you would display the super superiority, sufficiency, the beauty, the majesty of the One who left it all for us, so that He may bring us home. Our hearts to adore, to behold, to sing, to praise, regardless of circumstances, regardless of when computers things shuts down. That will not diminish our praise, our love, our adoration of you, because our praise, our love for you is not based on horizontal, circumstantial things, but it's based on the mercy, the goodness, the faithfulness, the promises of God. So Lord, come. We expect you to speak. We expect you to restore. We expect you to mend. We expect you to challenge, to rebuke, to admonish, to encourage us with your word through your Son. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God people said, "Amen, Amen." Before you sit down, just say hi, wave, knuckle, headbutt with somebody next to you. Welcome them to Fairfax Bible Church. Amen. God is so good. Amen. When I say God is good, you say all the time. Let's try that. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Hang. I'm the worship pastor here. And today is quite special. Actually, a year ago on this Sunday, my wife and I, we were supposed to fly and come over to do that audition thing. But there was a snowstorm. And so we couldn't come, and then we rescheduled that, and then there was a snowstorm in Houston. Can you believe that? That was a miracle. Can I get an amen? And so we had to cancel it. Long story short, here we are. You know, we have a plan, you have a plan, and then God has his plan. Amen? Special day. Um, if you're listening online this morning, we just want to say thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, one day we get to worship with you in person. Come, Fairfax Bible Church is the most awesomest church. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. You guys are awesome. Today, we're going to look at one psalm, Psalm 107, and we're going to look at three verses. There are 43 verses, but I bet you I can preach 30 minutes in three verses. So, here we go. By the way, the book of Psalm is a collection of 150 ancient Hebrews poem, as you can see on the screen, right, written by different authors, including King David, Solomon, Asaph, the sons of Korah, and others. Do you know that, it's pop quiz, that a little bit more than half of the Psalter are considered psalms of lament, right? These are songs of complaints. Aren't you glad complaints are in the Bible? Woohoo! Some of you are like, yes. That's right. It's a good reason to pray. These are songs of complaint or griefs expressing the frustration and pain over the effect of sin in the world and on the poet themselves. My favorite. Here's my gift to you. Okay? It's not Christmas yet. I'm going to give it to you. It's Psalm 88, which ends with, you have taken away my companion and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. Why are you laughing? Come on. That was awesome, right? We have days and seasons where the Lord just kind of do something crazy and darkness close, friend, and it's in the Bible. 
Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes when you wake up, you don't feel like singing hallelujah or praise or whatever, but you can pull out Psalm 88 and meditate on that. It's in, it's in God's word. The rest of the Psalms are praise songs, which have different subcategories, which talks about the good things, the goodness of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, and what he has done in our lives. And so Psalm 107 is a thanksgiving, is a praise psalm. And the author gives us several reasons to give thanks in verse 1 to 3. And after that, he gives us four words, picture, describing the experience of journey from exile back home. In the desert, the thirsty are satisfied, 4 to 9. In the prison, captives are set free. In afflictions, suffer or deliver. In the storm, the faint heart are rescued. And then it end with a collective praise on, uh, over the, the steadfastness of the Lord. So what is thanksgiving? Let's define this before we go on, right? The world defines it as an expression of joy, gratitude, especially when things are going well. So what happens when things are not going well, right? So this is what biblical thanksgiving or gospel gratitude. Thanksgiving is a supernatural, heartfelt response of joy based on the character and the promises of God. First of all, supernatural in nature. Because the carnal man, the unregenerate man, the flesh cannot give thanks or, or glorify God. Check out in Romans 1 uh, verse 21, it said, Paul said, For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, there it is, to him. But they became fertile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The unregenerate man cannot honor glorify or give thanks to God. Only the spiritual man can do that. So that's why James said, count it all joy when you are going through various trials because you are a child of God. Your joy is supernatural, right? It is not carnal. It's not of this world. Secondly, Thanksgiving is a heartfelt response of joy. I just love this when I, when I, when I studied and came across this. This is not a transaction, Right? This is not God did something for you, and so in return, in debt to his whatever, you do something for him. When we try to re re return his grace, with, with payback, we nullify and we cheapen his grace. Let me show you what I mean by this. Think of the particle son, right? Squandered his father's inheritance, sold everything, became homeless, hopeless, sad, mm. Decided to come home, and on the way home, he, he got this little thing going on with him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, the best speech, and my father's going to accept me. He said, Dad, can I work for you? Can I be your slave, like living in the hut somewhere over there, and can I just earn my way back to you? And what did the father say? Shh, 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 shh. He didn't do that, but, you know. He, he didn't. He said, kill that fattened calf. Let's throw a party. Mission barbecue. Here we go. It's time to celebrate. My son was lost and now he's found. But dad, but what about my speech? What about me trying to work for you? Shh, 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 shh. He took out his ring, put on his finger. But dad, shh, he took his rope and covered his son's nakedness and shame. There's no way this, this guy can repay the father for his kindness. Amen. When you come to my house and we feed you food, do you know how you can show appreciation? Mrs. Two, may we have some more food? That's how you magnify, right? That's how you give grace and appreciation. How do you magnify? How do you give thanks to a God who needs nothing? 
He's fool. He's God. Heartfelt, humble appreciation and asking for more grace. That's how you're going to magnify God. Amen? Supernatural, uh, heartfelt, response of joy. And lastly, it is based on the characters and the promises of God. It is not based in circumstances, nothing like that. If we anchor our thanksgiving to the horizontal relationship and objects in our lives, what happens when those things are taken away from us? There goes our praise. Bye-bye. Right? There goes our praise. Gone. But if we anchor our thanksgiving, our joy, our hope, our praise in the character and the word of the promises of God, we will always have a reason to give thanks because His word, His promises, they're unshaking, immovable, impossible to be shattered, shaken. We'll be able to give thanks regardless of horizontal changes. So if your Bible, turn with me to verse 1. Psalm 107, verse 1, Psalmist said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Like Israel, we are to give thanks for God's goodness and for his love. Remember the story of the ten lepers in, in Luke 17? They cried out to the Messiah, Jesus, Son of God, help us, save us, have mercy on us. And he did. He healed them. And guess how many came back to give thanks? You would expect ten thank yous. But only one guy came back to give thanks. I love this quote by Spurgeon. Sometimes I don't understand him, but there are times that I do. He's so simple, but he's so profound. He said, there are more who pray than those who praise. There are more who say, help, help, give, give, answer our prayer. Certainly he does. But how many came back to praise and give thanks? One. Don't be, don't be like the nine guys. Psalm 107 begins with the same enthusiasm like this fella. In fact, it opened with an exclamation, right? What is an exclamation? An exclamation is a word or phrase that expresses strong emotions, emotions such as surprise or excitement. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, not, oh, give thanks to the Lord when he is good. Sad, long face, not that. Excitement, rejoicing, just ah, oh, just like kind of like our worship this morning. That was a lot of excitement. Praise God. Notice that this strong expressions of gratitude is directed to the Lord Himself. Oh, give thanks to whom? To the Lord. The title of the Lord is repeated 11 times in this psalm, and the focus of Psalm 107 is completely, completely on the Lord. For he's the one that redeemed in verse 2. He's the one that gathered the people from exile in verse 3. He's the one that delivered them from distress. He's the one that led them. He's the one that brought them out of darkness. He's the one that sent out his word and healed them. Israel is to direct their humble gratitude, appreciation to the Lord because he alone is worthy of praise. In application, don't just... Talk about God, that's important, but talk to God. Don't just sing about God, but sing to God. You know, when I give appreciation to my kids, to my wife, when I share them with my small group, that's great and wonderful. But when I look at my son, Sage, you are an awesome, wonderful firstborn. You are such a good example to all of us. Thank you. 
There's intimacy there, right? There's personal engagement there. There's appreciation there. Don't just talk about God. Talk to God. Don't just sing about God. Sing to God. Why is, why is Israel commanded to give thanks with great excitement? The psalmist gives us two reasons in verse 1. His goodness and his enduring love. I notice this is the same opening verse for Psalm 106, 118, and 133. How has the Lord been good to Israel, you may ask? You can see some of this reason in Psalm 105, 106, 107. He chose Israel to be his treasure possession. He did not do this for any other nation, Israel. He performed countless miracles and delivered them from slavery. He provided for them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. He led them with pillars of clouds by day and pillars of fire by night. That must be pretty awesome, wouldn't it, to see those pillars? He fought off the enemies and brought them to the promised land in spite of their rebellions. He taught them that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Israel has overwhelming reasons to sing praise, to give thanks. But they don't. So what went wrong? What was the problem? I think that's because they, they don't remember. They couldn't remember. They should have write it down. They should have sing about it, right? But they don't. Yeah. Similarly, I think one of the ways that we can remember to give thanks is to what? Keep a journal. Just wave of a hand, not a pop quiz or anything. How many of you keep a journal? Three of you. Okay. <laughs> I do. I, I keep a five-year journal. I was trying to be, copy my wife. She has a 10-year journal. Isn't that crazy? You must have really tiny handwriting, right? And I said, no, I can't do 10, so I'll do five. So I, I write the events of the day before I go to bed, not perfectly. I forget a lot of time. I go back and write them, write some praises. And then I kept another one. I took it from the table outside. And you can too. It's free. <laughs> you know, that? that's free stuff in the church, guys. Thank you, Jim. There it is. And I would copy, uh, I would write down sermon notes and prayer and confession. So if you come across this thing laying around with my name on it, don't read that. It's personal, right? Apparently, you can read it because my handwriting is really special. <laughs> Not, sometimes I can't even read it. After three months of living in Virginia, I opened my journal and I, I, I just kind of go over it and I saw Dozens and more answer to God's prayer for me, and I was shocked. I was like, wow. And these are just the things I wrote down. There are so many things I have not written down, but God's so good. He answered all of them. Let me share with you a few of this, okay? Safe travel from Texas to PA. We're, here we are. We're still alive. Praise God. Safe travel for the five guys. I thought that was funny. Five guys. And the U-Haul, they pulled from Texas to Virginia through a storm, 24 hour. They came. Awesome. A, a suitable rental place, friends for the kids in the neighborhood, amazing neighbors. Praise God. A great youth group for Seiji. I brag about our youth group to everybody. Awesome youth group. Amen? And it's just so funny. They gave him the, the tallest mentor. <laughs> God is funny. A smooth transition for Jeff and his family. Finishing homeschool. We finish in July. Praise God. If you want to be more holy and sanctified, try homeschool. <laughs> Callie, thank you. 
It was sanctifying. It was good. It was good for our season. Good school for the boys. Praise God. Find a piano teacher. Find a group to run with. A lot of friends, I text them. They come up for lunch, but a lot of them don't return my text. You know who you are, guys. <laughs> Thank you, friends. Running friends. Get connected to a small group. Love, love our small group. And then, of course, I saved the best for last. Asian grocery. <laughs> so important. We have to drive 40, 50 minutes in Houston to go to H Mart. All we have to do is turn around. There's an H Mart right there. Fairfax, Centralville, Burke. It's like, it's the promised land or something. <laughs> God is so good. Annyeonghaseyo. <laughs> Gotta learn Korean, guys. I love this, this verse, Psalm 145, verse 5. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous work, I will meditate. I know God has done some amazing things in your life in the past. <laughs> and he's doing a million little things for your good today and for his glory. And perhaps, John Piper said, we are aware of two or three of those things. How terrible is that? That's why we need to slow it down. We need to meditate. We need to turn those into praise and worship and thanksgiving. Amen? Go home and buy a journal. Notice, not only God not only showed goodness toward Israel, but he is the source of goodness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. God is good. In fact, God cannot stop doing good to you because he cannot stop being good. See the difference? You and I, we could be, do good sometime, you know, but we cannot do good all the time because we're sinful and wicked. Our heart is uh, sinful beyond cure, the Bible said. But God is good. He's holy. He's righteous. He's perfect in every way. He's not like us. Give you an example. The Lord allowed Satan to destroy Job's life. In the blink of an eye, he lost all of his livestock, most of his servants, and all of his children in one chapter. In his darkest hours, listen to how Job worshipped God and watch how he anger his joy and appreciation in the power, presence, and promises of God. Job 1.20, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. I just love that. He didn't go out and get a drink. He didn't go and have a pity party. You know, he didn't. He worshiped God in his most darkest moment. What do you do in your darkest moment? I complain a whole lot and eat a lot of chocolate and I run. Job worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away but blessed be the name of the Lord. The next verse is even more encouraging. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. His wife said to him, you know what? He abandoned you. Why don't you just curse God and die? It's pretty tempting, wasn't it? He said, I will not sin against God. 
He is God. He knows what he's doing. I will worship and I will cry and I will lament. I will not sin. Maybe you're going through a really, really difficult time this morning in this crazy pandemic. And I'm really sorry. But here's my encouragement to you. If God can take the most gruesome, excruciating, painful event in the human history, which is the death of his son, and turn that into our greatest blessing for all of humanity, he can do, he can bring good out of your situation today for your good and for his glory. Romane said, God is working out all things for our good and for his glory. The psalmist gives us a second reason to give thanks. Not, not only God is good and he's, he's a source of goodness, his steadfast love endures forever. He's a loving God. This love is not a short-term kind of love, but, a, but it's a committed, committed, lasting love. It is not a pampering love, you know, like a soft pillow or clouds. <laughs> not that. But it's a perfecting, enduring love with equal measure of truth and grace. Lasting, perfecting love. Found this verse in Psalm 106 right before it. Verse 7 and 8 said, when are, oh, where does this love, endurance love, come from? That's the question I want to raise. Where did he get this love? And I found the answer in the previous psalm. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindness. They should have kept a journal. I told them. But they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea, yet he saved them. Here it is. For his name's sake to make his mighty power known. Yahweh forgives Israel over and over again, not because Israel is so special, nor is their apology so sincere, although that is important. But it was for his glory, for his name, and for his fame, for his sake. So here's the psalmist's argument I see. Because God loves his own glory and name, therefore he loves us. And therefore, we rejoice and give thanks. See that? He loves his glory. He loves us. We give thanks. In this way, we are not at the center of the universe. But God is his glory. Glory means weightiness. You're not fat enough. You're not weighty enough to be at the center of the universe where you receive glory. God is heavy enough his, to receive glory. His name. So unfortunately, Israel continued to make life about themselves. And eventually, he sent them into exile to punish them with other nations, which led us to the final point. Give thanks for God's redemptive work in your life. We are to give thanks for his goodness, for his love, but also for his redemptive work in your life. Verse 2 said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. What kind of troubles? Did Israel got themselves into? The answer is all kind. All kind of crazy, right? But as they cried out for mercy, the Lord forgive them because he's a merciful God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why is it important for Israel to speak the work of redemption to themselves and to others? I think it's precisely because they don't speak, the talk enough about God's redemptive work in their lives. So therefore, they get in trouble. Think about this, right? 
when Israel is tempted to complain about the lack of water, right? Thinking and talking about the lack of water would not change their circumstances, would not change the outcome. It only will make things worse, right? And so, um, but thinking and talking about God's faithfulness in the past will strengthen their faith in the present. The argument of the psalmist is this. Instead of talking about, focusing on your awful situation, talk to God. Remind yourself of his past faithfulness. Remind yourself of his faithfulness so that you will find strength for your present. I think the Old Testament way of encouragement, faith, is simply this, to look back and see what God has done. Israel, look back. Remind yourself of the miraculous. Remind yourself of all the victory that he has given you, not because you're strong, because he is strong. Remind yourself. And this is not in my note, but the, old, the New Testament way of encouragement of faith is this. Look forward. I'm going to come back. I'm going to whip. I'm going to kill. I'm going to destroy all the bad guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the stuff. So be encouraged. Have faith. But for the Old Testament guys, look back to see what I've done and walk in faith and obedience. In essence, they are not to interpret God through their circumstances, but they are to interpret their circumstances through God's character and word. And under the new covenant for us today, we are to remind ourselves of the gospel. I love this simple quote by Pastor Paul Tripp. He said, you are the most influential person in your own life because you speak to yourself the most. In this pandemic, what are you saying to yourself when no one is looking? When you're standing in the grocery line, when you're waiting, when you are hanging out, what are you saying to yourself? How much of your words are words of complaint, negativity, fear, anxiety, comparison, anger, frustration, guilt, and shame? A lot, if I'm honest. And how much are words of praise, thanksgiving, hope, faith, life-giving words of the gospel? I still wrestle with this sometimes. I still wrestle with unforgiveness and anger, bitterness and disappointment over a past incident that brought a lot of pain, confusion to me, my family. And uh, actually I have to see a counselor for that, my wife as well, and it was helpful. Basically biblical counseling is to show you the gospel, show you where your unbeliefs are, and then point you toward the gospel. Super helpful. And sometimes I notice that anger just creeps in from nowhere. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't asking. It just popped into your mind, and you just get all so upset. You know what I'm talking about, Richard? You know what I'm talking about? And so one, one day on the way to work, some of this emotion, memory just came back, and I just had enough. I told myself, I've been here. So I began to shout. I said, I have been here. I remember this feeling and this videotape in my mind. It leads me to mean nowhere good. I hate feeling this way. I don't want this, God. Take it away. And I noticed my heart was just still angry. I kept shouting. I don't know why, but I shout my wife's name, and it helps. I love my wife. I love Kanade. 
I love my children. I love my small group. I love my church. And I love you, Jesus. And I love you. And slowly, I noticed there's this inkling of change in my spirit as I reflect back on this. And I began to shout, God, I love you because you first loved me. I'm your son. I'm your child, and you're my father. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, Hank. You are free. You don't, have, you don't need this. You don't, no, don't go there. I began to sing. Oh, the Son set free. He's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Suddenly, it turned into a worship session on 66 in my car with tears flowing out down my, my cheek. And I just bathed in the presence, in the power and the promises of God and remind myself who I am in light of who he is. What if the broken pieces, those ang- angry flare in your life are not distraction are not things that you're going to be avoiding, but what if those are divine invitation for you to rehearse the gospel to yourself and to worship God? You don't have to be afraid of the broken, the messy relationship, events, people, stuff, your evil boss. You don't need to. You can turn them into praise and worship. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. So speak up, turn up the volume of your supernatural heartfelt joy, gratitude because of who God is and because of his promises. Therefore, the redeem is to articulate God's redemptive work in their own hearts often. If we can preach the gospel to ourselves, how are we going to do it to our children, to our neighbors, to our friends? Non-believer need the gospel, amen? But Christian, we need the gospel just as much. And the second reason to articulate, articulate Thanksgiving is given in verse 3, because the Lord gathered his people from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. There is something beautiful and safe about being at home. Right? Think of your Thanksgiving meal with your family and loved ones. Let me show you my family. This is my crazy bunch right here. Love them to death. We gather around the table. We eat. We enjoy. We laugh. We, we smile. We make fun of each other. It's all good. Everything is just perfect. Everything is just great. That's home. That's my home. That's my tribe, my clan. And the opposite of home is life in exile and banishment, where you are forced to leave your home and everything behind. Due to Israel's continued disobedience and rebellion, the Lord scattered them, sent them to exile as slaves to serve pagans' country. I wish I could bring you back in time to show you a moment of what life is life in captivity. It's pretty awful. I found this painting online. Just imagine right now, 
your entire family, your cul-de-sac, your neighbors, all your classmates, all your friends, your countrymen are forced to leave your home, leave your belongings, your jobs, leave everything behind to live as slaves in a foreign country. You don't know the new culture, you don't know the new language, the new policy, government, you don't have any money, no job, no house, no insurance, no car, no phone, because you are a nobody, a complete stranger. How would you feel? What would be the mindset of the collective people? I don't know about you, but I can imagine this. I wrote some thoughts down, some feelings. I'll feel lost. Anxious, sad, angry, lonely, scared, insecure, confused, unsure, uncertain, unrest, unable to trust anyone, unable, unable to make plans, depressed, hopeless, homeless, always looking over my shoulder, always on guard, always on edge, always on the move, discouraged, disappointed, dissatisfied, constantly doubting, constantly overthinking things. Feeling guilty, forsaken, and shame. And this is not personal shame. We know what that is. But this is a national collective shame of an entire nation. I just can't imagine. This is pretty much the life of Israel in, in exile and more. Sin separates Sin destroys. Choose to sin. Choose to suffer. Four times in this psalm, Israel cried to Yahweh for help, and he delivered them in verse 6, 13, 19, and 28. And one day, he promised right, to gather them, to, which fulfilled the promise he made earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me read to you. And when all this thing comes upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind amongst the nation where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I commanded you with all your heart, with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. Here it is. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. Certainly, I can imagine great collective praise, rejoicing, thanksgiving when the Lord reclaimed his people for himself. What about us today? How do we apply this in 2022? Since we are not slaves in a foreign land, but some of you be like, man, you don't know my boss. That was a joke. <laughs> We're not slaves, right? We don't experience collective shame like the Israelite. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Life in exile is not only true for Israel, but it is true for all of us today. Exile is the human condition. Since Genesis 3, when God banished Adam and Eve out of the garden because of their rebellions and disobedience, ever since, Peter said, we are sojourners and strangers in this world, longing for a better home. Roman 8 again said, our body is groaning eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And creation also groaned inwardly as in the pain of childbirth to be restored and renewed. 
I don't know how the tree is crying and groaning, but they are. This is not home. This body, this world is not big enough to sustain our soul. We were created for much more bigger things, greater glories. And God saw our brokenness and shame even before the fall in Genesis 3. And He created a way home for us. God is so kind. God is so kind. And the only way for us to go home is through the one who left his home. Jesus left his home. Jesus left his comfort. Jesus left his safety, his familiarity. Jesus left his glory. He left his closest relationship with his father. Jesus left his throne, his honor, his glory, his position, his status, and became fragile, weak, vulnerable, just like one of us, in order to take us home. Jesus went into exile willingly, willingly. He didn't do anything wrong. To walk alongside us, to show us the way. He entered into our brokenness. He entered into our pain. He entered into our sorrow and became the man of sorrow himself in order order to take us home. John 14, 6, he said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one can get home except through me. And if you're feeling lost and miserable this morning and that there's something just doesn't feel right, Perhaps God is using the pain and the disappointment of this life to show you there's a, there's a greater pain, there's a greater need. And it's simply this. You're not home. More stuff in your house, getting married, having children, cure for COVID, cure for cancer, AIDS, those are wonderful things still not home. So why don't you come home this morning? Let Jesus show you the way home. He said, I didn't come to judge or to condemn. I come to serve and and lay down my life as ransom for you. I love you. I cannot stop loving you. I love you because of who I am, not because of who you are and what you have done. So accept Jesus' invitation this morning and come home. And if you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have been, but you have been captivated by the riches and comfort and pleasure and entertainment of this world, that's a dangerous place to be. Perhaps you have allowed life in exile become your home. That's very scary as well. And I'm talking to myself here. This is not your home, friends. This is not it. Listen to the word of Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea. He said, 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I have prospered, I, have, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and so to anoint your eyes so that you may see again those whom I love, I reproach and discipline so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he's with me. Go back to your first love. Repent. If you have made horizontal relationships and things and made them into ultimate things, God things, repent. They cannot sustain your soul it will leave you hungry and dissatisfied and miserable. The journey home is filled with ups and downs. But we still can rejoice and give thanks because gospel gratitude is a supernatural, heartfelt, humble response of joy based on the character, the promises of God. Why don't you just bow your heads, church, and just take a moment and just be still before the Lord. this morning thank you for the reminder that this world is not our home but some of us are slowly finding more gratification pleasure in this world we often choose activity over being still distraction over meditation and productivity over prayer Forgive us for putting our hope in horizontal relationships and worldly things that can sustain. God, would you give us a hunger, a delight in knowing you intimately through your word? Thank you for the afflictions in our lives to make us more dependent on you. Make aware to us your love in new ways each day so that we may give you praise and worship. Teach us, Lord, to give thanks in all circumstances. Thank you, Jesus, for entering to exile in order to show us the way home. Thank you for being a gentle and humble Savior. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God people said, would you stand, church?